T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Back goes Foles. Fires. Slant. Touchdown! Zach Ertz! He caught it, he bobbled it, and he never let it drop. And he finished with the football. See, Merrill knew. Meanwhile, on TV, Chris Collins were like, I don't think he caught it. <laughs> Brady's going to have a big comeback. The most excruciating two and a half minutes in Philadelphia football history was waiting for the referee to signal that Zach Ertz had indeed caught the football and broken the plane of the goal line, and it was indeed a go-ahead touchdown. It was, and it was a great moment, and it was a great day, and we know that Ray Dinger was in Minneapolis that day, got to celebrate with his son afterward. By the way, tomorrow, Ray will be in Wayne, Pennsylvania, at the Wheelhouse on Lancaster Avenue from noon to 2. He's got a book signing going on there, so, Ray, people should come out. It's a Sunday with no football, right? You're going to get a huge crowd. <laughs> yeah, probably so. I'm hoping so anyway. Yeah. I also, um, in the same vein, I should mention, I just got an email um, like an hour ago from uh, Bob McMahon, uh, former mayor of media, alerting me, and I will now alert your audience, that tomorrow, that uh, on Sunday there will be a Delco Birds pep rally parade. Well, there you in, go. In, in the city of media, which will be uh, shoving off on State Street uh, at 3 p.m., and the MC and entertainment will be provided by none other than Kane Callis, the son of Harry Callis. Ah, Callis. very nice. nice. You know what? I may like my kids live in Wayne. I may go pick, yeah, up, I mean, pick up the two-year-old grandson. Out, the yeah. Eagles, pep, Eagles pep band will be there. There'll be a bunch of mummers there. There'll be several local high school marching bands there. And uh, it'll be, uh, let's get fired up for Super Bowl week. So nice. that's all gone down in media tomorrow. So, Ray, you are the, the – we're the voice that we respect, and um, we wanted you to give us kind of an initial breakdown of these two teams and how they match up. We know what the Eagles are. We watch the Chiefs a little bit, but let's right. let's do some matchups. And why don't we start with what is probably the Eagles' greatest strength? How does the Eagles' offensive line match up against Kansas City's defense? Uh, pretty good. Um, I think that that's the way I the way I size it up is. The Chiefs have some have some terrific skill position players, um, really, really good. Uh, I mean, game breaker type players. But if you look at the total roster, top to bottom, um, the Eagles have more really good players and more depth, uh, and they're healthier. Uh, and I think that the, what you just put your finger on to me is key. Uh, it's the Eagles' offensive line, which really is their strength. Uh, against the Chiefs' front seven, which is uh, is good, but not great. And, I mean, they have one outstanding player in Chris Jones, um, but not so much beyond that. The other guys are kind of okay. 
the uh, Carl Aftis, the the rookie, is pretty good player, um, but not a game breaker. Uh, and the linebackers, I don't think, are a whole lot more than average. So I, I look at the Eagles' offensive line uh, being able to, you know, win that battle. And if they do, and the Eagles are able to run the ball and uh, get first downs and control the clock, you know, they can keep those other Chiefs playmakers on the sidelines. Works to their advantage. I, you know, I, I look at when I look at the uh, Chiefs lineup and I see how I see Chris Jones, and he's he's really good. But it's kind of almost like a New York Giants situation where they had you know a really really good player in Dexter Lawrence in the middle of their defensive line, um, and the Eagles just Eagles offensive line, large starting with Kelsey, but not just exclusively Kelsey, really neutralized him. I mean Dexter Lawrence, who totally took over their game in Minneapolis, was a non-factor in the game against Philadelphia because the Eagles offensive line and Jeff Stoutland came up with a plan that they were able to sort of take him out of the game, and I'm sure they're taking the same approach with Chris Jones. So Ray. Would the Eagles then necessarily need to rely on Jalen Hurts running the ball, putting himself at risk? I mean, we all know what dimension that brings to their offense, but it sounds like you might be saying that uh, that's not something that they're going to necessarily have to lean on in this game. Um, no, I, I wouldn't say, you know, I wouldn't expect him to run the ball 17 to 20 times. I don't think, and I don't think they have to. Um, I, I think they have to run it some, and you have to run it early to make Steve Spagnuolo aware that, okay, they can do this pretty much any time they want to do it, but you don't want to overdo it. But they have to establish they have to establish a few things early. They have to establish that they can run the ball straight up with power with Sanders and Gainwell, which I think they can do, that they can um, make plays in the passing game, and, uh, you know, and Hurts can throw the ball down the field if he has to. You'll probably see a little bit of all of that, um, and, and Hurts running RPO stuff. And I think they want to just sort of lay it all out there in their first couple of possessions just to make the Chiefs think about, okay, we're going to have to defend all of this now. Um, and that's key here because that's, that's when the Eagles are their most effective, when, when, when the defense and the defensive coordinator have to play against their whole playbook or the perception that they have the availability of their whole playbook. Because it really, it, you know, at that point they're dictating to you, and that's where you want to be as a coach. And that was really what the Eagles did uh, in the game against the Giants. And again, I you know I don't I don't want to start comparing like the Giants and the Chiefs are or that no, similar. I they're not. Yeah. The Chiefs are way better. But I I think that was where in that game um, the Eagles did a really good job of of you know hitting the deep ball to Smith early, running some RPO stuff with Hertz early, and just laid it out there that okay, Wink Martindale says all right, well here we go. I mean, it looks like they can do everything. And as a coach, he had to, he had to play against that which obviously gave the Eagles the upper hand. All right, Eagles receiving core versus Kansas City secondary. Um, they got good players back there, but but very inexperienced. A lot of young guys. A lot of young guys. Uh, and, um, you know, you never know how young guys are going to react in this game. You know, I mean, it's the Chiefs had – the Chiefs' pass defense last year was really, was really porous. Uh, and they knew they had they knew they had to improve there, and I, I felt bad for Spagnuolo last year because I think Steve's a good coach, but I didn't think that last year they gave him a whole lot to work with. Uh, and in the off season, I mean they they took a deep dive into it and said, "No, we got to get better," and so they did. Uh, and they brought in a, a lot of new young players in the secondary, and they're certainly athletically they're better than they were, but still relatively inexperienced, and certainly 
totally inexperienced in terms of coping with the Super Bowl. So that's, you know, that's an advantage you got. Now, you could, you could argue the other side uh, and say that, well, the Eagles receivers haven't been in the Super Bowl either. You know, it's new to A.J. Brown. It's new to Devontae Smith. But from what I've seen of those two guys, I don't think they're going to have a problem playing on the big stage. We don't know about the Chiefs' defensive backs either. Um, you know, I think, the Eagles, I think the Eagles can make big plays against the secondary. These guys are pretty good, but uh, right now, when the Eagles have their offense going and Hurts is, is throwing the ball well, uh, and you've got what are going to be perfect playing conditions, obviously, inside, uh, I think the Eagles' passing game will be very effective. All right, Ray, let's go to the other side of the ball. If you're, if you're going to neutralize Patrick Mahomes to Travis Kelsey, you got to do one of or both of these two things. You either got to cover Kelsey, find a way to do that, or you got to pressure Mahomes to the point that you're disrupting the offense. Which of those factors is more important, and who do you think ends up covering Kelsey? Is there, you know, do you put an Avante Maddox or a CJ Gardner Johnson on him? Do you move one of the cornerbacks there? Do you play zone? Kind of take us through that the the thought process there. Well, I I'm just you know this is just. I'm putting my defensive coordinator hat on here now, so I'm just, you know, this is just me. I don't know, you know, Gannon, you know, Gannon will do what he wants to do. But it seems to me the teams that have had, not that anybody's had all that much success with Kelsey, because he, he makes plays pretty much on everybody. But the teams that have had some measure of success with him have combined two things. They've been able to get, they've been able to get a significant amount of pressure on Mahomes. Uh, and it always starts there. But the other part of it is you, you don't try to play Kelsey one way that you try to mix up your coverages and put different people on them and bracket them sometimes and, uh, and do different things that make him have to think and make Mahomes have to think. The thing you can't do is make it predictable and easy because if you do, then, then they'll kill you. So you've got to mix it up. And I think all of the options that you laid out there are ones that I think you'll probably see, or at least I would guess you would see at some point or another. I think Gardner-Johnson will be on them some. Uh, I would think that Maddox would really, really help it would really help the Eagles if Maddox was healthy enough to play and play and play well because he's a he's a very nice player back there. You can use him in multiple ways, uh, and maybe in some situations swing one of the, your your corners over and put them on him. Um, you know, I would I would really like a Bradbury uh, on him matchup because Bradbury's got the size and he's got the length that he can play with Kelsey. You don't want to do it all the time. But to throw it out there as a change-up once in a while wouldn't be the worst thing. I think you just have to vary stuff, and you don't want to make it easy for both Mahomes and Kelsey to have a real sense of, okay, we're in this situation, third and six. I know what the coverage is going to be. You always want to make them guess. Any matchups we have not brought up that you see critical next Sunday? I... Uh... I, you know, we're, so much conversation is going to be about Jason Kelsey and, uh, you know, how, how key he is for the, uh, for the Eagles' offensive line. And he is. I mean, it all kind of starts with him. But the, on the other side, the Chiefs, the Chiefs center is, uh, is, awfully ver- is awfully good. I mean, Creed Humphrey, he's only in his second year. Um, but, you know, when Kelsey finally moves on, whenever that, <laughs> whenever that day is, when he finally decides to retire – um, Creed Humphrey could become the next great center. I mean, he's I I, I saw him play at Oklahoma. Uh, he was the guy that was sort of the bodyguard of Kyler Murray there. Um, I was actually watching tape back then just to kind of see Kyler Murray, and I kept looking. I said, "Who who is this center?" 
I mean, it was anybody getting by him, uh, and it was Creed, Murphy, uh, Creed Humphrey. And the Chiefs very smartly, Andy Reid very smartly, as a guy who likes to build in the trenches, uh, drafted him last year in the second round. And, uh, and he came in right away, made the all-rookie team, got some all-pro votes, and he's going to be – when Kelsey moves on, it wouldn't surprise me if he becomes the best center in the league. He's, I mean, he's, he's not that far behind now. And, um, you know, we've talked a lot about how getting pressure on Mahomes is key in this game. Uh, and getting pressure up the middle uh, from Hargrove and Cox is critical. Well, they're going to have to get by Creed Humphrey, and that's not going to be easy. So, you know, there's going to be a lot of talk about Kelsey in this game, but the chief center also bears watching. Ray, we're all here in Philadelphia familiar with Andy Reid, obviously, and I think there are certain uh, perceptions or impressions that people have of Andy, and one of them being, you know, Within a game, maybe he doesn't adjust as quickly or as effectively as another coach might. To take nothing away from his career, he's a great, great coach. Oh, sure. How do you view what, how Andy might handle the game within the game versus what Nick Sirianni has done and, and might do in a situation like this? If, if push comes to shove and a coach has to make a quick decision to change things up, to turn things around for his team, who's got the edge here? Um, yeah, it's a good question, Mike. Um, and the way you frame it is, um, it's worth considering because, you know, you look at their two careers and you've got, Andy's got this incredible body of work built up over the years that, I mean, if he, if he never wins another game, he's in the hall of fame. I mean, there's no question about that. And then on the other side, the guy who's going to be calling the shots for the Eagles is a, is a guy who's only in his second year. Um, and, and it still has a lot to learn. Uh, and, still, and certainly still has a lot to prove. Um, and, and you get into this game and you say, okay, let's handicap this. Who has the advantage? Good question. Good question. Because we've seen Andy, for all that he has accomplished, not coach well in big games. Yeah. I mean, that's, that, that's fair to say. I mean, we've all seen it. Oh, yes, we have. Oh, he's, you know, he's, I mean, oh, yeah, he's, we've well, lived he, it. You know, I, yeah, I know. And he's won, listen, he's won his share and more. Uh, and he's got a Super Bowl ring now, and he's got he's been in like a million championship games. But we've also seen him lose some of those games, largely because of bad decisions and poor clock management. So, you know, and Nick Sirianni to me seemed like a coach who handles those situations pretty well. Um, I, I would I would hesitate to say, yeah, I give the advantage to Sirianni in this game because. You know, Andy's accomplished too much to just dismiss him that easily. But the possibility that a young coach like Sirianni could could get the upper hand on Andy in a game like this, if it's close in the fourth quarter and those kind of decisions become critical, could Sirianni wind up getting the better of him? Yeah, he could. I mean, I mean, he could. I mean, you look at last week's game, the championship game, and you know, it was the Eagles won going away, but. I mean, there was an example of coaching decisions where the other coach made a terrible mistake. You know, Kyle Shanahan is a, is a really good coach, and he's a really good play designer, uh, and he's done really good work. And but his you know his non decision to not challenge the Devonte yeah. Devonte mm-hmm. Smith play on the first series is a it's huge. huge. Play. It was it's a, a huge, huge moment in the game. It's a huge, it's a huge non-call on his part. Yeah. And there's a case where, where a head coach with a lot of experience and a lot of accomplishment was in that situation and dropped the ball. And you know that can 
I don't, I'm not going to say that play lost the game for the 49ers because they lost it multiple ways, but it certainly got the game off to a terrible start. Well, Ray, it, should the Eagles win, and should they win it uh, in part due to an Andy Reid mistake, Angelo Cataldi would be <laughs> able to just go to heaven at the moment. One, no, other thing, one other thing I just want to explore with you, because tomorrow I'm working with Jody 10-1, to 1, and one of the things I want to do with Jody is, is compare uh, the three Super Bowl, the Eagles Super Bowl team of 2014, 2017, 2022, and like who's the best player at each position. Jason Kelsey, Lane Johnson, um, and I guess and I guess we can throw in Brandon Graham too. Are they better now than they were in 2017? Uh, Kelsey for sure. Wow. Um, wow. I think uh, I think I, I, in, in all honesty and I've looked going back and looked at every game again this year. Um Kel, this uh, to me this was Kelsey's best year. It's amazing. I mean, I, man. I mean yeah, I mean, you're talking you're talking about a guy who this year this five-time first team all-pro um now creeping into his middle 30s and I would tell you in terms of consistency and week-to-week performance this was his best year. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Wow. This was his very best year, and that's why you know everybody's everybody's trying to retire him. No, now. no, you know, no, 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 please. No, no, no. I mean, in terms of the questions, I know, I know, because all, the storyline, all the questions, all the storyline story is trying to lead him down to that decision. Right. Is this your last game? Blah blah blah. And you know, so far he's deflected it as he probably should. But I'm sitting back saying, <laughs> why would he retire? I mean, this was his best year. All now right. I can understand if he wants to go out on top. That's that's his decision. But he he played he he played out of this world this year. Right, how about really the other did. two guys? We know. Lane is injured, but uh, you know, yeah. discounting uh, what you've seen in the injury, uh, is is Lane Johnson twenty twenty two version better than twenty seventeen? Yes, before the injury, yes. Okay, uh, yes. wow, and and, then, and, that, and that's not to say he didn't play great that year. But yeah, oh did, yeah, absolutely. But, but he's, I mean, the guy hasn't given up a sack in three I, years. It's amazing. And Brandon Graham plays limited snaps, but has more sacks this year than he ever has. Yes, is he better this year than he was in twenty seventeen? Uh, I think he is, uh, because of the way they're using him now, he is more impactful. That's yes. amazing. Uh, you know, you got these veterans. Yep. I know we're not going to put Fletcher Cox in this conversation. No. I get that. But you have these veteran players doing this. It's pretty astounding. It really is astounding. It, it, it really is astounding. And, um, you know, the fact, that, the fact that Brandon Graham, I mean, at his age last year, blows out his Achilles, which could very easily have been a career ender. I mean, really. I mean, a guy that age playing the defensive line tears his Achilles. Um, I mean, it's it's fifty fifty that he's even going to come back again, much less come back and be able to play effectively. And he comes back from that and winds up for his first double digit sack year. Um, it's uh, I give him tremendous tremendous credit for. I know how I know how hard it was for him and how much work he put in this off season to get back uh, and then to come back and sort of accept the new role. Uh, and play as well as he's played, and get to 11 sacks this year at his age, coming off that kind of an injury, is just a tremendous accomplishment, and really, a cre- uh, really just a credit to him. He's and I, one of the things that you know, the, mentioning these guys as you do, um, I think one of the advantages the Eagles have in this game is, you know, they have great leadership on this team. I mean, that core group of veteran players are not just good veteran players, but they're great leaders too, yeah. yep. and that's that's critical in a game like this because next week from today up until tomorrow next a week from tomorrow uh is a very critical time for how does a team handle this you know how does a team handle the super bowl uh and for the guys that have never been there before 
what they really need to look to are the guys who have been there before and how they handled it and how they can sort of walk these guys through it. Yep. You know, Chuck Noll Chuck Noll once had, uh, said to me a great line. He said, you know, he's 4 and 0 in Super Bowls with the Steelers. And he said the key to it is don't lose the game before you play it. In other words, don't have a lousy week of practice. Don't have guys out partying all the time. You know, don't you know, don't get all caught up in the hype. Just remind yourself that you got a football game to play and be sure you prepare right. And I think the Eagles have the kind of veteran leadership on their team. that The team will do exactly that. I love it. Ray, you're extremely confident. I'm not going to ask you for pick now because we'll be talking to you next week and looking forward to that. Hey, I got Neil from the Northeast on hold, Ray, if you want to stick around. <laughs> no, oh, that's okay. man. Okay. All right. Well, listen, tomorrow you can see Ray Dinger at the Wheelhouse, 106 East Lancaster Avenue in Wayne. He's got a book signing from noon to 2. Uh, it's always a pleasure, and again, next weekend is Super Bowl weekend. It will be uh, it'll be an honor to to be working with you then. I look forward. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.